in Marylands on a Sunday night, which is another C3 congregation part of our church. And um, uh, not last Sunday, or the last couple of Sundays, it's been interesting just to, this is, this is the introduction to my message, if, if you're timing, <laughs> I've started. Um, I just think it's really important, and the thing that really hit me, and, and I think it'll be pertinent to you guys as well, I just found it really important to be appreciative of the things that we do have. You know, oftentimes we are always wanting more and setting goals and wanting to achieve, and sometimes we just get dissatisfied with what we have and what we've already got. Uh, and just talk, because the Marylands Church has a lot of refugees in it, uh, a lot of Iranians, Syrians, uh, Africans. And um, I was talking to one of, the, one of the Syrian guys, he's 28 years old, he's, been in, he's just been in the country for four weeks, and, uh, and I said, oh, how, how are you going? And he said, he said, it is unbelievable. Do you know how good this country is? Do you know, do you know he said, do you know, my prayer since I was six years old was that one day I'd be able to live in Australia. He said, I'm here. He said, life does not get any better than this. And I'm saying, well, wait till you've been here a while. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But it just made me think, you know, oftentimes the way we feel about our life or our circumstances, it's all perspective, isn't it? Like we compare ourselves to other people or people of our age or, or where other people are at uh, and we then feel unsatisfied or disappointed with what we have or what we've got. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't set goals and we shouldn't want to achieve and fulfil everything God's got for us. But I really think it's important this time, particularly at Christmas, to just uh, take stock and, and, and thank God for all the great things that we have in our life, to show appreciation for what, what we have. I was talking to another, uh, I think he was Syrian or Iranian, I can't remember, I was talking to uh, another guy out there, and uh, he was saying that uh, his desire was to get to Australia as well, because many people... I mean, you may not feel this way, but many people in other seas countries think that Australia is the promised land, like the promised land. And this guy, he was living in Iran. He was a hairdresser, but um, he, he just wanted to get out of the country. There's a lot of stuff happening there. Um, and so he paid a people smuggler to get out of the country. So he had to uh, firstly... Um, come up with uh, $6,000 and then he had to pay the people smuggler, then he had to fly, had to, then had to pay for a flight from Iran, I can't actually remember the journey but they had to go through three different countries, this is the, this is the way they take you, uh, he had to pay for all those, it cost him I think about $25,000 all up and you're not guaranteed that you're going to get in. That's just, you put up this money, you pay for these flights. He had to meet in Malaysia, I think it was. That's one of the meeting points. Oh, no, Indonesia. Indonesia is where they meet. There's, an, there's a small island, I think, off Indonesia, and that's where they go. But he also said that in all the countries where you're going, they know that this is the route that the people smugglers bring the people trying to get out of some of these countries. So in every airport that you go to, 
the security pull you aside and they say, why are you in the country, whatever, and they say, oh, I'm on holidays or whatever, and they say, no, we know you're not on holidays, we know you're trying to get out of the country, I want $1,000 or we're sending you home, or I want 2000 whatever they decide. So he said, you've got to pay people on every stop. All the security in, I think it was Singapore, and then Malaysia, and then Indonesia. I think. Anyway, I can't remember the exact route. Anyway, he was saying, everywhere you go, people are saying, if you don't pay. Anyway, he got all the way to this country, got all the way to Indonesia, where they meet, and then they put you on a boat. And, uh, and then he said there was maybe, uh, I think it was 25 people on this boat. It's not a big boat. They don't give you any food, no water. And then they take you out into international waters and they leave you. And then they hope that the Australian government or the Australian Navy will find you before you die. That's, that's the plan. And they pay $25,000 for that. And then they hope that... Because they just sent them outside, just outside into international waters because apparently the Australian government... What an amazing country we have. I'm telling you. So the Navy and the Air Force or whatever, they survey that area from Indonesia down into Australia looking for these boats. Sometimes they turn them around, sometimes they bring them in or whatever. But, uh, but anyway, this guy... Uh, so they give them, they give them um, no food or water and so you've pretty much got three days to be found. If you don't get found, oftentimes they, they find them dead on the boats. Um, and it just and he said and I said, well, was it worth it? And he goes, are you kidding? I, do you know how good this country is? Do you know how much opportunity is in this country? And again, it just made me think. It's about perspective, isn't it? Sometimes we go, oh, I haven't got this, I haven't got. Gee, my Wi-Fi is slow, and it is. <laughs> in fact, I think that's what hell's going to be like. You're going to have all, these, all this technology and, and, uh, and dial-up Wi-Fi and you're just going to be frustrated for the eternity. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you that uh, it really made me think about, you know what, yes, there's some things I still want to see happen. Yes, there's some things I still want to achieve. Yes, there's some things I still want to live for and, and goals to set and ambitions to have. But in all that striving and all that pushing and in all that desire to really be appreciative of what we already have and not and not be disappointed with the things that we have around us to go you know what we have got some amazing things and a lot of it is about perspective um so uh the message this morning is called the god of hope that was just my introduction to set up the message but you know in 1972 there was an experimental psychologist named Martin Seligman. If anyone did psychology at university, you would have heard about him. Uh, he's a very famous 20th century psychologist. Anyway, his, his major study was about uh, learned behaviours and learned responses. And he did experiments back in the 70s. Now, you would never get away with these experiments today, but he used to electrocute dogs um, to uh, work out how they would respond to different settings. So uh, he would, uh, he'd have two, two, ex- uh, two experiments. So he would put dogs, he would put them in a, like a cage in one experiment, but there would be a, 
like a small hole for the dog to escape. And so they'd put him in the dog, the dog would be in the dog, and then he would, not enough to kill them, but he would uh, give the dog an electric shock, enough to not want to stay near it. And he would shock the dog and the dog would be around and then eventually the dog would be fighting and looking and eventually would squeeze out through the hole. And so he did this experiment and time after time the dog would escape from the, the, the pain it was feeling from the electric shock. Uh, then he did another experiment where he, there was no way out. So you couldn't escape. And so the dog would be in the room. I know you wouldn't get away with this. So I'm getting the looks like, what the heck? Anyway, th- this would never be approved these days. But it was the 70s, you know, anything, anything goes in the 70s. Um, and so he'd be in, a, in this cage and he would get, the dogs would get the shock to, to work out how the animal would respond to a negative environment when there was no way out. And what they found, that the dog would be looking, within four minutes, the dog would give up trying to get out. Because there was no way out, no way out, no way out. And it would just there, and it would just accept the electric shocks. Wouldn't do anything about it. Wouldn't try and move. Would just go, this is the way it is. And that's the behaviour that it learnt in dealing with a situation that it couldn't change. And you think, oh, maybe that's just dogs. So, and he thought, maybe, it's just, maybe that's just the way canines uh, respond. So he did the same experiment with rats. Same setup. And he found that the exact same results occurred with rats. That given a, a, an opportunity to get out, given a, where they could see some way out, uh, they would get out where there was no way out. They wouldn't get out. Now, here's the interesting response. Here's the interesting learning from what uh, Seligman's experiments did and, and the ongoing um, writings that he began to um, experiment with. So he then got the same animals that had been put in these, and then they, he put them in another box where there was a clear way out. So there was actually a, a very, like you put them in a box and one end was open. The animals that had been in the box where there was a small hole to get out, when they got their first electric shock, they bolted. They ran straight out of the cage. Here's the interesting thing. The animals that had been in the box where they couldn't get out didn't leave the box, even though they were being electrocuted. Even though the back of the box was completely open, they did not leave the box. They had learned to accept that that was a part of their environment. That was a part of their life. They, just, they didn't even try and get out. They, did, they no longer looked for a way out. And so then Seligman thought, well, maybe that's animals. I'll, let's try it on humans. So then he put humans in a box. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't electrocute humans, but he did it. He tried the same learning, the trauma. Because what he was trying to understand is, given certain environments, given certain settings, do we learn to behave in a certain way or accept certain things when when our when we aren't able to change a situation? How do we behave when we can't change something? And so, in 1974. Uh, he got some human participants and he split them into three groups. One group was subjected to a loud, unpleasant noise. 
So a really annoying inner room, a really, really annoying new, uh, room. Uh, but there was a button in the room. There was nothing written on the button. And so he put him in a room and uh, everybody who was in the room, the noises after a period of time went over and would push the button. Now they had to push the button four times. If they pushed the button four times, the noise turned off. Most people in that room, pushing the button, whatever, would push it more than four times and turn the noise off. He then put it, did another experiment, same room, different bunch of people, put them in the room, but the button didn't work. The button didn't turn the noise off. And so they'd find that people would push the button for a while, four, five, six, seven, after a period of time, they just stopped pushing the button and they just accepted that that was just the way it was. This really loud, annoying news. They couldn't noise. They couldn't change it. They just accepted it. We just got to live with it. You go, oh, that's interesting. Well, here's the most interesting thing. He then got the same people. He put, like he did with the animals, he put them in another room and played the same very, very annoying, loud noise. But in this room, there was a button in the middle that had off written on it off. The people had been in the original room that had pushed the button four times and learnt that they could turn the noise off to get away from it, immediately went over when they were put in the, in the room and turned the noise off. The people who were in the room where they couldn't turn the noise off after pushing all the button, most of the people didn't even try to turn the noise off. They just left it. They didn't even go and push the button, even though it said off. They had, a, they, they had accepted that that was just a part of the environment. They couldn't change it, so they just accepted it. You say, well, what? That's interesting. What does it mean? Here was Hellig, uh, Seligman's uh, conclusion, if you like, from the experiments that he did. Seligman discovered that when people feel they have no control over their situation or their circumstances, they tend to give up and accept it rather than fight for control. Isn't that interesting? So when we feel disempowered, when we feel we cannot change a situation because we've maybe tried in the past, we've done this, we've done that, we've tried this, we've tried that, we've worked this, we've worked that, and it hasn't worked, when we lose hope of a better outcome, here's the interesting thing. We no longer see the opportunities to get out. Just like with the animals, even though the second time, the ones that had been in an environment where they couldn't get out, when they were put in an environment where they could clearly get out and escape, they didn't. They just stayed there. As human beings, Seligman called it learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. Where because of the environment, because of the circumstances, maybe the upbringing that we grew up in, maybe an experience that we had or an environment that we have learned to feel helpless and therefore even when opportunities present themselves to change or to grow 
or to improve, we don't see them. Or even if we do see them, we don't take a hold of them. How many opportunities for change are we not seeing because we've accepted that the way it is now is the way it's always going to be? Or we don't even see them anymore because we've maybe tried or we're just, and we've just gone... And it's all, this, is all subcon- this is not conscious. This is subconscious. And we just go, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it's going to be. Accepting it because we've given up hope of it ever changing. Stay in a job we hate because we think, I'll never get a better one. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I haven't found that in the scriptures. (laughs) I've heard it a lot. I can't find it in the Bible. Yeah, you work for a jerk who abuses you or takes advantage of you or, or does whatever, you know, oftentimes we're so judgmental of people and the decisions that they make without ever understanding the history or the environment that they've come from that causes people to make certain decisions, why they stay in certain environments, even when you look at it and go, why the hell would you stay in that kind of situation? Work for that person. Because we just think that we're not going to get anything better or it's never going to change or this is just the way it is. And even when opportunities present themselves, we, we don't see them. We don't try and better our education because we don't think it's going to make any difference. Or for some of you young people out there, you hear over and over again, you know, house prices, you'll never own a house, you'll never get this, you'll never get that. And... You're conditioned into a position of learned helplessness. You just accept, well, that's never going to happen. I'm never even going to try. I'm not even going to pursue it. Or as an older person, a middle-aged person, believing that your best and most productive years are behind you because that's what people say. Because you've got to middle management or you've got to middle age and, and people say, well, you know, it's just it's all downhill from here. So you no, no longer dream, you no longer pursue, you no longer push, you don't, you don't look to, to improve your education or to, or to take that opportunity or to start that business or to do that because you think, well, learned helplessness. Uh, and then we come to the scriptures. This is the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus. See, oftentimes the reason we give up hope is because we've put our hope in a particular situation or a particular outcome or a particular change that we're desiring. And when that doesn't come, or it doesn't come within the time frame that we want it to happen, we then give up. We learn to remain helpless and not accept or, or to accept that this is just the way it is. But you know, the scriptures say this. The scriptures say hope is not an outcome. Hope is a person. Hope is not a certain achievement. I'm hoping it it says if you put your hope in, in a certain thing, happening or not happening, you will be disappointed. The gospel points us to placing our hope in a person 
of Jesus Christ, knowing that he is working all things together for good. The scriptures say this in Romans 15, 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. The God of hope fills you with hope so that you abound with hope. And when you abound with hope, you see the opportunities, you see the situations, you see the things that lay before you that you can take advantage of because the gospel, Jesus is changing you on the inside. Now may the God of hope fill you. When? Now. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. No, no, when I get that house, then I'll be filled with joy and peace. When I get that promotion, when I get that amount of money, when I have the million dollars or two million or ten million in the bank account. No, it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now. Right now is the time to allow Jesus Christ and his hope to fill your heart with joy and peace as you pursue the things that he's placed in your heart right now. If there's anything I can tell you or encourage you to take a hold of in this message over Christmas and going into 2019 as you set your plans and I encourage you to do that and goals for 2019 and that's all important. But to allow God to fill you with hope now to take appreciation of what you have now, to be grateful for the things that are in your life now because life is a journey. It's not a destination. And it's filled with ups and downs and it's filled with twists and turns and, and it's a magnificent gift from God. But it's very difficult to live it without hope. And that's why Jesus says... Don't put, your ha- don't put your hope in an outcome. Put your hope in a person. And his name is Jesus. Hope is the fuel that drives us on toward the things that we're believing for. Hope is the power that lifts us up when we fall. Hope brings answers and solutions to problems we're facing. Hope is not an attitude. It's not an emotion. Hope is not a personality trait. Hope, real hope, is a person. And his name is Jesus. Hopelessness leads to helplessness and a relinquishing of dreams and desires, hopes and ambitions that God has placed in your heart, planted there. We stop trying, we stop hoping, we stop reaching, we stop pressing, we stop believing. 2019 is your year of hope. Hope of of transformation, hope of answered prayer, hope of a changed environment or circumstances, things that you may be accepted. 2019 to go, you know what, I'm not going to accept that anymore. I'm not going to stay in that position or in that job or in that place. I am going to see God's purpose fulfilled in my life. Romans 15.4, for everything this is, the, this is the power of the Scriptures. You say, oh, why should I read the Bible? It doesn't really do anything for me. I find it boring. Romans 15.4 says this, For everything that was written in the past, so everything in the Bible, 
was written to teach us, teach us what? So that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. What do the Scriptures do? They plant hope in your heart. How does it do that? By the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures are infused with the hope of the Gospel that comes from God. And when you read it, when you meditate on it, whether you realise it or not, it is changing the way you see yourself. It is changing the way you see your circumstances. It is changing the way you see your life. And all of a sudden, you begin to see things that you didn't see before. All of a sudden, you begin to see opportunities where before you thought, it's hopeless, there's no way out, I'll never be able to do that, I'll never be able to achieve that. All of a sudden, wow, look at that. Oh, I could do this, I could do that, I could step here, I could step there, I could take this, I could learn that. And all of a sudden, there's a pathway to purpose and all the things that God has placed within you to see them fulfilled. How amazing is that? Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. See, here's the, th- here's the kicker. When we put our hope in a, cha- a particular thing to change or not to change, or whether it's in our job or our career or a person or, or, or a, a particular location or this or that, when that changes, and it all can, we become very unsettled and very insecure and we become or have a feeling of helplessness. But it says here, when we put our trust in God, when we put our hope in the living Christ, we say, Lord, my hope's in you. Then we know that all things, no matter what changes or doesn't change, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, God is working all those things together for our good. So we can still have hope. And it's the hope that allows us the freedom to move into the places that God's got for us. Do not let go of hope. All things are possible to those who believe, to those who are called according to his purpose. Notice it doesn't say that all things are good. And we know that all things are good. It doesn't say that. You, I, and everybody else, there's certain things in our life that are not good. God doesn't expect you to live in denial and pretend that, oh, everything's okay, everything's wonderful, oh, yes, it's just amazing. No, that's denial. It doesn't say all things are good. It says, no, God is working together for good. All things. Some things are not good. Some of them are due to our own decisions and behaviours. Some of them we had nothing to do with. It's just the way life worked out. But it does promise that no matter what we face in life, no matter what is before us, no matter where we find ourselves, God can and will draw out good for us. That means every single event, no matter how dark or shameful, how guilty or bitter, you feel about it, God can bring good out of it. You are not helpless. You are not hopeless. You are not stuck. 
there is a way out. There is a way up and there is a way through. And his name is Jesus. And as you put your trust in him and as you learn his ways, as you let the scriptures transform the way you think about yourself and your circumstances and your life and what you have, you will find opportunities that are everywhere. You'll begin to see them. You'll begin to take a hold of them. And they'll begin to change you. As you read through the Scriptures, and I'll finish with this. As you read through the Scriptures, time after time after time, story after story after story are stories of people who were in helpless and hopeless situations. And Jesus Christ walked into their world and transformed it. There's a, I'll just read a couple of them. You probably know these stories, or maybe you don't. Matthew 9, there's a story of the woman with the issue of blood. You may have heard that. But the doctors had said she'd spent all her money. She was a rich woman and spent everything that she had trying to get healed of this illness that she had, this sickness where she was losing blood. And, and she'd spent all the money. She had nothing left. She was in a hopeless situation. She'd done everything she could that was within her control to change the circumstance and nothing had worked. And then she heard about Jesus. And then she came to Jesus. And then Jesus changed her life. That's the gospel. Oftentimes we read these stories we, and we don't ever connect the dots between the people in the book and our own lives. Put yourself in that story. The man with the... Talk about helplessness. The guy who was paralysed, who get to be carried by four other people. To, talk about helpless. And yet brought into the presence of Jesus and his whole life was transformed. Lazarus, the blind man, over and over again. The woman who was caught in adultery, over and over again. We read these stories of people who were in helpless and hopeless situations that they could not get out of and could not change. And when Jesus came into their world, he transformed their life. He transformed it. Let me read that scripture again. Here's your homework. <laughs> Over Christmas. Romans 15, 4. 2019 can be the very best year you have ever, ever had. Ever. 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 2019. And you know, you hear people say, oh yeah, it's going to be the best year. But it can be your best year if you allow. We've all got areas of learned helplessness. Um, this is not pointing the finger at any particular person. This is the human condition. That's the learning from these experiments. This is a human condition. This is not a demographic condition. This is not an ethnic condition. This is not a gender issue. This is a human issue. We, when we're in situations that we feel we cannot change, we learn to accept them and to, as to survive. And yet the downside of that is that when we block off any way of seeing a way out, today Jesus wants to open up your eyes to see that the dreams, the desires, the ambitions that lay dormant within you, that He planted there, can be realised. 
can come to pass as we begin to change on the inside and begin to see, allow God to bring a sense of hope. I want you to read the Scriptures. I want you to read them and allow them to change your life. It's not a history book, although there's history in it. It's not a biography, although it is the lives of different people. It is the power of God to change your life. And not just your life, your family, your children, your children's children. It is so powerful. Romans 15.4 For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance, what does that say? It's not easy. It's not just going to happen. You have to endure. You have to persevere. You have to keep working at it. And the encouragement of Scriptures that we might have hope. Don't let go of hope. Without hope, you can't live. In fact, they've done, well, they, they know in, uh, in uh, medical circumstances, when a person gets to the point where they've given up life, it's very hard to keep a, a person alive because the hope is gone. And sometimes we're living, but we're no longer alive because we've just given up hope. We're just existing. We're just going through the motions. Let that rise. Hope rise again. Resurrected in your heart for 2019. I'm telling you, the best year that you have ever had as you begin to see the, the, the opportunities that God is placing right before you as you open up your heart to Him. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank You for the hope that comes through Jesus Christ that transforms us on the inside, that brings life to the dead areas of our life, brings life to dead dreams, dead hopes, dead ambitions, desires, hope that the God of all hope Father, fill us with your hope for our lives, for our future. We put our hope in you today. Not in our career, not in our person. Not in a particular event or a particular outcome. Lord, we thank you. All things are working together for good. Fill us afresh with your hope, Lord, over this festive season, this amazing time that you've created around your Son. I pray the breath of your Holy Spirit, breathing life, breathing hope, dreams, that the learned helplessness that we've accepted would be exposed, that we would see it for what it is, Lord, and that we would step out and into the future you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
Amen. Why don't we stand? Father, we thank you for your word. If that word really spoke to you this morning, I want to encourage you. Don't just walk out of the building today and go, oh, that was really good. I really got a lot out of that. And then just go on and forget about it. If that spoke to you, if that resonated with you, if you felt like God was really pinpointing something in your life or an area of your world, I want you to go away over this week. You've got some time and just allow God to speak to you. Look up that scripture, Romans 15.4, Romans 8.28. Download the podcast. Listen to it. And let God set you up for success in 2019. He is constantly at work in our lives, changing and transforming us so that we can live the life He's called us to live, to take a hold of the promises that He's given. They are all there in Jesus Christ. I believe it can be your very best year in 2019. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand. Great to see you today. God bless.